You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Panic looking to throw on third and goal to the unzone touchdown. Red Ellison. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, good afternoon or good evening, Grump. We are T-minus 16 days away from the draft. So are you getting excited or? Well, yeah, I don't think it could come any sooner. I'm at the point now where... I'm already checking my phone every day, and we're we're seeing guys' draft stock rise and fall. I mean, I think it was just today <laughs> that we started hearing about how Dwayne Haskins is not as favored by teams as he is as by the media. And of course, he's done nothing from you know his pro day or from anything else to have his stock go up and down. It's just. You know, this is the one thing in sports I think we spend the most time analyzing and overanalyzing. There's too much time, <laughs> and I think just writers get bored, and they just want to have new storylines. And it helps some guys, and it hurts some guys. But he did nothing on his own for stock his stock to rise or fall. Oh, yeah. I think if anything, his stock uh, should go up just because he hasn't hurt himself. A, yeah. a guy with only one year starter experience to not trip up at all, I mean— to me, that's a slight notch up versus just staying flat. Yeah, sure. So I feel for these guys. I mean, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about draft. We've been talking about the draft now for, you know, not just on this show, but just, you know, your Twitter's inundated with it. The ESPN, NFL Network, it's like, let's do it. Let's pick these guys already. Let's, let's move forward. Yeah. Um. And... uh you know, all the other rumors kind of swirl into it. Like, uh, you know, the Josh Rosen thing is just continuing. I think it's, I feel like it's been like a month now. Has it been three weeks? since like the Josh Rosen trade rumors started. I feel like it's been about a month, but I mean, let's put yourself in Arizona's place. You don't have to do anything. No, you just, you just sit back and you collect the offers. You collect who's a serious player and you just wait. I mean, Bad teams choke and jump on the first offer they get. They're doing something smart. They are building a market. And, yeah. you know, like you said way back when, when this first this thing first started, if the market really was a third-round pick for Josh Rosen, he'd be gone already. Yeah. So. I mean, all they have to do is sit back there, and maybe if they feel like the, the noise gets quiet, just throw some disinformation out there. Just sure. lie. Let a let a rumor leak that somebody offered a high second round pick for him, and all of a sudden, the rumors start going. Guys who are interested start thinking they need to up their offer, etc. Yeah, I mean they also don't need to do anything. I mean they can, you know, realistically draft Kyle Murray and have two guys on the roster, you know, and build yeah. and build more uh, demand, you know, as you get into next year. Sure, I mean, who knows. Or maybe Kyler Murray sucks. You know, you draft him, he's your heir apparent, he's just not any good. And so, you know, he's under they're, – they're both on relatively cheap contracts. Oh, yeah. So it's not like it's not like a deal has to be made by, you know, 8.30 on Thursday of, of the draft, so. Of course, yeah. I, I And I think I'm also on record as saying that Arizona would be stupid to get rid of Josh Rosen now. 
Oh, of course. I mean, I, I would even hold on to him throughout the whole year and see how the offers go. Well, that's the thing also is, so you're basically going to throw Kyler Murray right into the fire. The same thing you did with Josh Rosen last year, and it was a disaster last year. Hmm. I mean, has, has their offensive line significantly upgraded to the point that you're not going to potentially get this guy killed like we, we thought that really could happen to Josh Rosen last year? Yeah, probably not. So, I mean, you know, if they want to do the, you know, even the quote-unquote Kansas City plan with someone like that, I mean, granted, you know, Josh Rosen is an Eli Manning who's been around for 15 years, but... You're right. You're right. Josh Rosen is not some seasoned veteran who is, uh, you know, someone to learn under. But sure, he could be a buffer for a guy like Kyler Murray. You're yeah, right. he's not gonna he's not gonna soil his pants being out there the first time. He's already taken his abuse last year. So yeah. Um, as far as the Giants go today, we're gonna be talking about tight ends, uh, a position that I don't think a lot of people are talking about because of the the needs that they have other places uh tight end did not appear on our top five list of needs for the offseason did it it did not it's one of those kind of very odd positions for this football team you know if this is a team that really wants to build from the inside out and a team that you know kind of wants to help its offensive line out tight end becomes a very important position for this team and what we have now is you know our main tight end is a guy who we really don't even know is a tight end or a wide receiver and where he's ultimately going to be on this team. So it's not a position of need, but it's definitely a position that's going to need to be fortified and replenished potentially very soon. Well, yeah, and I I think that while the tight end position didn't appear on our top five list, I think that upgrading the tight end position helps, you know, potentially two spots, but you know, more likely one more than the other spots that we did identify. And that was offensive line and wide receiver on our top five list. You know, if you get a real mismatch weapon uh, at tight end, it could alleviate that wide receiver need. If you happen to get a, a real monster in the ground game, it could alleviate that right tackle need. Uh, so, you know, while it may not be directly something that the Giants are looking for this year, but, you know, in the future, definitely something they're going to have to think about is Ellison's now in his third year of a four-year contract, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Um, we don't really know what, what this regime thinks of Evan Ingram. Uh, a lot of people speculated he might be on the trading block. I don't think we actually heard any official rumor, official rumors, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think anything outside of fan talk happened with that. Um, but he did have a down year last year. I was well, you know, he did a better job of, you know, the drops were down. He did play better than he did his rookie year. I guess my question to you would be, what do you think his like market value really is out there, though? If he's on the trading block, I mean, what what, what do you really get for him? I, I don't know. I think individually speaking, his market value isn't too high, but I think. I think the Giants might be viewed as like a buyer's market or seller's market, whichever. It just looks like the like it's uh, just a fire. It's a fire like a garage sale. sale. Yeah, like like teams are looking for. Hey, hey, you getting rid of talent? You guys stripping everything down, starting over? We'll take Ingram off your hands. You know yeah, that look, kind of thing. At, but look at the talent they're getting rid of. All the talent they're getting rid of comes with enormous price tags, and Everett Ingram doesn't have that price tag with him. No, but but I think you'd probably get more than they got for snacks, which was like a fifth round draft pick. Yeah, 
I, I think you get like a fourth or a third. He's on a rookie deal. That's a, that's a big part of the bargain. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. That, that 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 gives him more value in the open market. But yes. I mean, I mean, he's not an All Pro tight end. He's not, you know. Correct. Yeah. You know, there would be really no point to trade him. How do you point. how do you view Evan Ingram? I view him as a kind of a flexy hybrid guy who's probably more a wide receiver than a tight end. How do you think Dave Gettleman views him? I think Dave Gettleman views him as a wide receiver. How do you think Pat Shermer views him? I think he views him as a wide receiver as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I think think they view him as a playmaker and a Mm -hmm. guy that creates mismatches and a guy that – can catch the ball first. I don't think they're worried so much about what he does, blocking anything he does. I think they consider a bonus, and that's not what I think they consider a tight end to be. So, Yeah, I think I agree. I, you know, Remember, Dave Gettleman is the guy who drafted Devin Funchess. Mm-hmm. Um, who, I mean, what even... Is he a wide receiver, a tight end? I mean, where, where does Devin Funchess really fit? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think you're right. I think... I think they view him as like a, a third wide receiver that can, in certain situations, be a third tight end or whatever. But as of this roster right now, he's probably the second tight end. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that the Giants maintained and re-signed Scott Simonson, relatively unknown blocker first tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the other thing I really want Giants fans to to remember is the 2011 Super Bowl team had uh, two really important tight ends on the roster. Do you remember who they were? We had Kevin Boss and we had uh, we had a blocking tight end. Ballard. No, I don't think Kevin Boss was on that team. Boss wasn't on the second Super Bowl team? He might have been on, but I think he was hurt. But it, the 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 answers I was looking for was Bear Pasco and uh, Jake Ballard, <laughs> both of which were blockers first, but came up with huge catches and clutch moments for for touchdowns. Really, I mean, huge catches and clutch moments, but weren't relied on as an enormous part of the offense. Exactly, they were, but they well, not not an enormous part of the attack. Yeah, they they were much more part of the you know low ranking I think even 32nd ranked ground game but still you know they they served a specific purpose and then uh they kind of caught second and I think I think when you when you look at what Pat Shermer does with like Kyle Rudolph in in Minnesota I think that's sort of kind of what he's looking for I mean Kyle Rudolph obviously is a very good receiver and a good route runner and that's what you'd want ideally but I I think They'd rather have a guy who has the ability to get open and make catches and not be the first target on 90% of passing plays, but really be integral in making sure that the ground game works, especially when you consider that this offense is probably going to be built around Saquon Barkley for at least the next three years. Uh, Grump, let me just follow up with you. In that Super Bowl, Bear Pasco had four catches for 33 yards out of four targets. And Jake Ballard had two catches for 10 yards. One of them was a nine-yarder out of three targets. So they did target out of Eli's 40 attempts. Seven of them went to the tight end. It's not bad. 
considering considering you know the screen game was a big part of that offense you had Hakeem Nicks you had Victor Cruz and Mario Manningham was a big part of that I mean especially when you're playing against Bill Belichick he's going to take away one and two and make three four and five be your guys yeah Pat Bear Pasco was the uh, third leading receiver for receptions and yardage in that game Hicks Hakeem Nicks had 10 catches 109 Manningham had five for 73 so interesting. One last thing about that is Ahmad, Ahmad Bradshaw had three targets. Brandon Jacobs had one. It's interesting to see how the offense is different now mm. where, you know, we have, um, you know, Saquon Barkley, who we're targeting 12 to 15 times a game now. You know, yeah, for a, variety, well, for a variety of reasons, too. Well, one of them is also that is Kevin Gilbride offense was uh, very right. downfieldy. Um Another thing to note is Jake Ballard tore his ACL in that game in the Super Bowl. That's right. So he was kind of out of commission for, I believe, like almost three quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. So, um, Nevertheless, it comes down to this. You have, you have Rhett Ellison, who's your all-around tight end, uh, on the third year of his four-year contract. Probably not going to get another contract after that with the Giants, my assumption. Uh, yeah. So, and then you have Evan Ingram, where you kind of don't know what he is. Maybe he's a wide receiver. Maybe he's your mismatch nightmare. When you think about tight end as a neat, did, did, what kind of tight end do you think the Giants are aiming for? I honestly, that's why I think that uh, Evan Ingram is going to hang around a while because I think this is kind of what they're looking for. Really? I I I I think. I think they could take a second tight end who's purely like you know a blocker, a guy that's going to be in the trenches more. But I think they like to have this guy who creates mismatches. I think. So I think this is you know. I, I think this is a fit for what they're trying to do. So you think that they have their ideal is to have two tight ends. One is more of a blocker than a receiver, and the other is more receiver than blocker. Yes, I agree. That's what I think. I think you're right. I think I almost think that what they're trying to do is mirror what the Patriots tried to do with Gronkowski and Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And if they, get, I th- if they can get a second, a second uh, tight end like that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I, I, th- I think what they're trying to do is get somebody more like in the Gronk mold where he's just as much, a you know, effective in the ground game as he is downfield. You know, um, we, life gets in the way, obviously, and we don't, to, we don't need to talk about it, but, one of the great what ifs for the Patriots would be if Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski were both together for seven or eight years. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm saying not only with the Hernandez issue, but let's say Gronkowski was completely healthy the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you can make arguments that Hernandez was better than Gronkowski. In a certain sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was damn good. He was, you know, he was a, a mismatch nightmare. He had great hands. You know, the two of those guys together, it could have been, you know, I, I hate to say it like what if because, you know, the Patriots have had so much success without him. But, you know, that offense could have been even more of a, a machine with those two guys. Yeah. And I mean, Hernandez was just so fast. I, I, you kind of almost had to dedicate your best safety to cover him. Right. If not, you were heading towards having to use a corner or double coverage. Mm-hmm. Um and as it is, we already know that Gronkowski is a pain in the ass because he's just so big, mm-hmm. and he's just he's just good at tracking the ball. So I look through, you know, tight ends coming out of school now. It's 
it's difficult to kind of place these guys because they seem to fall into those categories of well, is this guy a receiver or is this guy a blocker? It, it's it's rare that I see the the skill set for both being utilized in college. Um, the offenses are different in college too. Remember yeah. that. So it's like it's the one position where you just have to show that you're a you're an athlete and you're a football player, you know, and, and let, let let the right organization draft you and utilize your your skill set. I mean. We've seen it before in the past where guys coming out of college, you know, I remember um, Keith Jackson, he played for Oklahoma in the mid eighties. If I remember he had like seven catches all year because they ran the wishbone and they never threw, but he was a first round pick and was a pro bowler. And he might even be in the hall of fame at this point, but you know, I, he, he went to Philly, they utilized him as more of a, a traditional tight end and caught tons of passes and was awesome. But you know, if you're in the wrong situation in college, you go to the wrong situation or the right situation in the NFL, it definitely can change. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, a lot of the the bigger thing to to the, the more difficult thing to scout are how tight ends block in college because a lot of teams will just use them split out wide or they're lined up but they never actually need to block. They just run routes. So it's kind of hard for me to even judge, but I did the best I could to kind of look at them. And in my estimation, what the Giants are really looking for at this time, right, is if if they feel that they have in Evan Ingram a mismatch nightmare already and he's on a rookie deal, they need to be looking to replace Rhett Ellison at this point. Are you honestly surprised he's still around? I thought he'd be like a one-year guy who was like a, a, a gap filler. Um... Am I surprised he's still in the mix? I a, a little bit, but not necessarily for that reason. So where where I'm at with him is I thought that the four year deal he was given initially by Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo was a smart one. Um, I thought that he complemented perfectly. I think he's a good, well rounded player. He's not over the top, but he's solid. Uh, when they didn't really utilize him much in Ben McAdoo's offense or whatever happened. I mean, he he was basically invisible. Um, and then Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese got fired. I was really surprised that he was even... I, I thought maybe the only reason he was retained is that he had familiarity with Pat Shermer. And the fact that he was rarely utilized even last year kind of shocked me. Uh, so the fact that he's still here now... I, it's not for what I perceive of his talent or skill level. It's just the way he's being utilized. It seems like it seems like they don't want him there. Does that make sense? I I, I don't know. Um, I think last year was one of those years where you know you're trying to sort everything out, and the offensive line was so bad you couldn't really, you know, implement the offense you're trying to do, and that kind of screwed up your personnel as well. So I yeah. think now that now that you know, we may not have again the seven blocks of granite, but I think you'll have an offensive line stabilized enough that you'll get to see more of what they really want to do. And also, it's not spending a whole offseason trying to do an install of, of of a you know of a different offense. So people are more used to what's going on. So I think oh, that's this also will be, true. Yeah, this will really be the year. I think year two over year one, you can see. Well, these are. You know, these are the guys they want to roll with going forward. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Still, though, you know, give, given not necessarily his age, but the fact that he's not young, he's nearing the end of the, a deal that Dave Gettleman did not issue out to him for an amount of money that enough fans were worried about how much money he was getting. You know, I, I just... I don't know that he's coming back after his fourth year. I don't know that he's coming back for his fourth year. I think that that style of tight end is what the Giants are on the market for right now. Uh, ideally, a guy who can both catch and block, but if they had to choose one more than the other, more block than pass, uh, mm-hmm. catch. Um, the way I look at this draft class for tight ends, there's a clear-cut top three and then a bunch of not that great. Um, guys who do one thing really well and not the other, uh, guys who really need to grow, or maybe maybe they just don't have the tape for me to make a definitive analysis of their game. Um, but the the clear cut top three are, uh, in in my opinion, in order: T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa, then Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama, and then Noah Fant from Iowa. You know, all three of these guys do everything pretty well. Um, good route runners, good hands. They're able to track the ball in the air. They kind of look like wide receivers with their their skill level. They look natural. Um, and they're all really good blockers, strong at the point of attack. I think Hawkinson the best at all these things. You know, he really does look like he belongs running out routes, but at the same time is able to drive through people. Noah Fant, you know, not as much with the driving through people, but still a good route runner. And Irv Smith, you know, playing in the toughest division in college football, you know, still looks... <laughs> he doesn't quite look like O.J. Howard to me, but uh, he doesn't have, like, that kind of size. He's only 6'2". I think the, the thing that really hurts Irv Smith is his size and his strength, um, but certainly things that he can build on in the NFL. Uh, you've seen probably more Irv Smith than I have. Yeah, and it was a year... I mean, Alabama uses the the tight end very effectively over the last several years, and now they have more of a vertical passing game that they've had in the past. It makes them even more dangerous. So, um, you know, they've had a long line of these guys who are just, you know, even in the SEC quality defenses are un, you know, unguardable. You know, un, and he's one of these guys. So. Like you were saying, Alabama traditionally more of a ground-based team, but with the with Tua, it's, it's they've kind of moved away from that. Uh, they've become a little bit more of a downfield attack, but still with with guys like Josh Jacobs, they're, they're a very good running team, and it's important to Saban that you are able to block as a tight end. I think, and Irv Smith does a pretty decent job of that. I mean, he's not really a guy who's going to drive through people, but he definitely gets enough of a pop and pushes people out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, those those are my top three guys, and it's it's possible that all three go in the first round. Although I don't have a first round grade on all of them, I think Smith is a, probably a high second rounder in my opinion, and Noah Fant is like a mid second rounder to upper second rounder. Hawkinson to me is the only first round talent for tight end there, but after that, there's like a really big drop off where guys like Caleb Wilson or you know whatever they're, they're, they're all kind of uh more receivers than anything mm-hmm. and i think well, let, yeah. let's get it out of the way that we don't believe the two of us that 
we would reach for one of those first three guys, like in a second round situation, go tight end. Say that's I, a fair I, assumption. I just don't think so. I mean, the the only thing I could see happening for us getting one of those three is if for some strange reason Hawkinson falls to the second round, and even then that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawkinson should not fall to thirty seven. If if uh, if he were to fall to thirty seven and we picked him up, I wouldn't complain. I I would understand. It it's just even then it seems like such a stretch given the needs on this team. You know, a lot of other guys who the Giants probably had their eye on would have had to have gone earlier than expected for that scenario to happen. Well, then you would get you uh, would get the complete Gettleman. We got the best available talent, and the best available talent sure. was available. So, you know. Be prepared to hear that a lot, I think, too, regardless, even if, you know, even if some guy drops or something or it's just somebody they picked that people might scratch their heads. Like, why did we pick a, you know, left tackle, for example, or why did we pick, you know, a running back or something? He's, he, he might fall back to well, he's the best available talent for the value of the pick. I think our offseason motto year and after year is going to be the same thing, and it's Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's. Yeah. This um, team needs an upgrade in talent. Yeah. It, it, it really it, does. It doesn't There's matter no- if, if, if we have Jabril peppers now, if you, if the, the best guy on the board is a safety and he's the best by a long shot, you just, you get better overall. Well, I was going to say there's no magical defensive scheme or offensive game plan or anything that will turn this current roster into a playoff team. It's going to require talent. It's going to require having consistent drafts over several years and being smart with free agent money to get in a position where there a scheme is picked offensively and defensively and we fit the talent to match it and to maximize both things. But this team needs serious talent upgrades everywhere. So, Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, to the point you're making about what we think the Giants are going to do with it. those three tight ends, I think, are not going to the Giants. It's just not going to happen. I do think that there is some value here for what the Giants are looking for later on, and I'll pick three guys that I guarantee some people out there have not heard of that the Giants can really get something out of in the fifth round, fourth round, maybe uh, sixth round. And um, one of them I know uh, the Cranky fan is familiar with. I think he is anyway. And the top of those three guys for me is Kentucky tight end CJ Conrad. Torched us. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, Kentucky did better than I think a lot of people were expecting this year. Um, I would say they did better than 99% of the college football world thought they would do this year. They were probably, you know, their coach uh, Stoops, should have been SEC Coach of the Year this year. I mean, I know they didn't win the East, didn't even come in second in the East, but for what they were able to accomplish, that might have been the best coaching job in the SEC this year. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if I agree with that because I'm not as versed in the SEC, but yeah, th- there there was talent in in spurts all over that roster, and and Conrad is an underlooked guy, I think. You know. Most of what their offense seems to look like is is speed kills, um, mm-hmm. and he's got for for a tight end he's got good speed. Uh, he's not, you know, gonna run track anytime soon. I don't think, but 
I, I was impressed with his ability to run routes. He's quick in and out of cuts, and that's really kind of the most important thing for a tight end. He was mostly used for, like, you know, quick outs and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, I think he has decent speed. I think he can abuse linebackers in those short and intermediate range, which is kind of what we're looking for with Red Ellison. Ellison isn't drawing double teams. So if you can get, you know, this guy to just be matched up on a linebacker, he doesn't have to be the number one, but if he'll be open every time if, you know, the number one and the number two throw isn't there. Well, this is where, like, losing Beckham hurts guys, like, mm-hmm. you know, down the trough. So, you know. That's a good point, yeah. It's not just, you know, you're missing all the production of Beckham and you're missing everybody buying his T-shirt. You're missing the fact that he's a natural draw of a double team. Yeah. And now that you don't have that anymore, it all of a sudden presents some problems for your second and third receiver, your tight end, you know, and these other things too. So that's something that has to be watched and accounted for this year too. Yeah, these, these second and third guys, whoever has one-on-one coverage now, they have to win. There's just no way around it because you're not getting that guaranteed double team and occasional triple team. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I looked at with CJ Conrad too is I thought he was a good blocker. You know, I thought that he'll get better um, if he adds some upper body strength because he doesn't look all that big up top. But he wins on you know, technique. I mean, he... He has good bend to him. He keeps his head up so he doesn't overextend himself and overrun his blocks. He keeps his body under control. He hits hard with authority, and he rarely ever gives up ground. I mean, a lot of times Kentucky's running like stretch plays, so he's blocking on the move. So that's, you know, not necessarily um, a skill set he would use, but it's not easy either to line up blocks like that when you're out running. Where I will say it translates is probably on screens with Barkley. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of these guys, the Giants could be uh, value shopping for later on. I think he's the top of my list for tight ends, CJ Conrad from Kentucky. Uh, worth worth checking out tape. The next one I'm pretty sure most people don't know is Tommy Sweeney from Boston College. Same same measurable, 6'4", 250. You know, nothing nothing crazy special for tight end. But, again, your smooth route runner makes enough moves to get his body in position to win in one-on-one coverage. He can catch on the run pretty well, and he's an adequate blocker. He gets in there, he stalemates on pass plays, and uh, in the ground game, he can push open holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of great catches in a uh, loss by one point to Florida State which uh, I'm sure upset you greatly. <laughs> a game they should have won. Yeah, it's actually true, the game they should have won. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like most teams don't have this guy in his radar outside of New England uh, just because he's a local kid, but he really should be on people's radar. I, I think that had he played at a school with – a, not just a better offense, but a quarterback who kept his eyes up, who wasn't constantly running for his life, I think he would have really, really put up big numbers. Um, you know, I mean, even if he had stayed in the ACC, I mean, take your pick. That's Boston College is what? Maybe the worst team in the ACC? Besides Florida State, probably this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were pretty bad. I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, 
if you watch this tape, the dude's open. The quarterback's just running for his life. I think he did a good job in the ground game. Somebody to keep in mind. He actually reminded me a bit of Jake Ballard, but a little bit more athletic. And the last one I have, I guarantee nobody's heard of. And uh, that's <laughs> Matt Sokol from Michigan State. 6'6", 250. Big dude. Probably should be playing. Six, six. Yeah. I mean, hey, I also checked out Michigan has 6'8", Zach Gentry. So that probably the reason they're not in the Final Four. Uh, he was playing football instead <laughs> of basketball. <laughs> but Matt Sokol, you know, he's he's just average in the field. You know, just average. But when it comes to blocking, I legitimately think, and you're going to laugh and whatever, but legitimately think that he's a better blocker than Eric Flowers. <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's probably sad but true. Yeah. I mean, of course – he's doing more run blocking than anything. And I, I specifically picked out guys that I thought might be on more running teams than passing teams. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, it comes down to technique, which, you know, Eric flowers didn't have, but you know, at six, six two fifty, he's pretty much, you know, three quarters of the weight of Eric flowers, but he's able right. to just burst through people of all the guys that mentioned, this guy is the best blocker and it's, it's not even close. So do you see a guy like this as someone who becomes like, uh, you know, skirts through the draft and he's one of these free agents available right after you think he'll be picked late rounds or what do you, what do you project for him? It's always difficult to say who is going to be a seventh round draft pick. Who's going to be the high target undrafted free agent. You know, we, we see it sometimes seventh round draft picks are often guys that teams don't want to miss out on getting, with an right. undrafted free agent thing. And then there's other guys kind of like Chad Wheeler who are undrafted free agents that make more money than the seventh round draft picks because they want being an undrafted free agent. You are a free agent. You can sign wherever you like. Right. Being so a a seventh a, round could, undra- be a, could be a potential bidding war for some people. Too. Exactly. So you have to entice these undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure there's guys smarter than me that can tell you, who is more likely to be that? I I find it very difficult to figure these things out. Um, gotcha. But I think yeah, I think it's very likely that a guy like this goes through and is an undrafted free agent. And uh, I I think he's one of those guys that you know maybe he's a practice squad guy his first year. Maybe he's he he does well in the the bullshit games in August, and he he stays on the roster and he doesn't really come to the field until later, but. You know, tight end is one of those positions. You know, it's it's one of those things where the college tape is hard to find all of the skill set and how well they're going to do certain things because they just weren't asked to do it in their college program. I mean, what's his face? Kittle from San Francisco. Nobody really had their eye on him. Fifth round draft pick and just blew up the league last year. Yeah, he was awesome. And yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think that tight end is just one of those positions. I think that oftentimes running back is that position just because there's only so much a running back can do without an offensive line. And then, you know, lo and behold, he gets drafted by an NFL team with a line. He gets thrust into position and suddenly he's outstanding. Um, I don't know how that's going to play out for Matt. So a guy like this is going to have to be in a situation where he's needed you know he's gonna have to be 
in a situation where a team needs a blocking tight end and he's able to do it well enough that he's not a starter, but he's somebody that gets significant playing time. And over the course of that time, plays are drawn up for him to catch the ball. And then, you know, that sort of gets the ball rolling to being a uh, starter. But at the same time, I'm not sure the Giants need a starter. You know, I, I'm not sure how they view Scott Simonson. If they view right. him as the Rhett Ellison replacement, then, you know, maybe a guy like Matt Sokol is the guy you, you take to be the third tight end and coming in blocking situations, you know? Yeah, unless a hybrid guy, yeah. You yeah. go jumbo or something, yeah. Of course, yeah. And like I said, this guy can block like a tackle. So I, I'm not really sure, but definitely somebody I kept my eye on. And, you know, if given the abundance of draft picks we have, mostly in the later rounds, we have three-fourths, I think, and like two-fifths. We have, we have a ton of picks. We have 12. So... A, a guy somewhere along the line, there's going to be a flyer taken. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's him, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the tight end position that they're going to do that though. Where they take a five or something? I think you know, something a little more of a need. They might take a little bit of a shot at. Just yeah, my gut. I I think you're probably right. Or just loading up on a certain position, like this team desperately needs pass rushers. So you know, maybe they have Josh Allen for instance falls to them at six and you think oh yeah Josh Allen Marcus Golden we got our pass rush back but then you know now here you are with your second fifth round pick you might as well just get another guy right add to the Mm -hmm. rotation right yeah yeah I agree with you um but then again you know I I do get the feeling that Gettleman has done most of his immediate work at this point. I think that a lot of his fix right now stuff is fixed. And I think now he's starting to transition into building the team for the future, right? So, I mean, like, we have gotten rid of all of the big contracts on this team. Uh, Yeah, well, I guess with all the guys we thought were shreddable, I guess with the possible exception of Janoris Jenkins. But he's still – I don't even think he's in the top three of contracts. I think he is. I think it's uh, It's, it's Eli, Solder, and I think he's third. Oh, well. And Solder not going anywhere. Yeah, well, Solder got the contract from Gettleman. Eli's on the last year of the contract. We don't even know what's going to happen after this year anyway. So, right, you know – doesn't really so you know next year there's an abundance of cap room we have tons of picks i think a lot of the the house cleaning is done and this is all about building now so you know if if they feel like rhett ellison is they're going to play out his contract or maybe this is his last year with the giants they need a plan for something because right now what what the fans saw from evan ingram last year was inconsistent and not really reliable you know, it didn't come up right. big when he was needed. But was improved over the rookie year. I think in a I think I think yes, realistically, I think from the fan viewpoint, they expected him to be a bigger jump over his rookie year. I mean, his rookie year, yes, there were lots of drops, but there was also he was pretty much carrying the offense for a while. Even more so than Sterling Shepard. Um, and you know, this year when Beckham went down, he didn't really show up any more than he usually did. 
you know, this really became the the Barkley team. Right. right. So, yeah, I think I think that he got better than his rookie from his rookie year, but I think from the fan perspective, he was sort of a disappointing year. And he did have one game, and I can't remember. I, something in me wants to say uh, Eagles game, but I don't think that's right. But he had one game where he had something like four drops this year that was, you know, certainly a bad look for him. Right, right. That's something he's going to have to – it's going to take time if it ever gets completely better because it, it was a it was a problem as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It kind of reared its ugly head a couple times last year, and you can't – you know. As you're getting more and more with him, is you know third year, fourth year, you need to rely on a guy like him. He's gonna have. The, there's no point of having a mismatch if you can't catch the ball. Yeah, being open doesn't do anything if you can't catch. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's really it. I mean, the free agent market for tight ends is bankrupt. Uh, I think that the best guy available is probably Austin Safarian Jenkins, which I have never wanted in, you know, since he came out in the draft. It was never. And he's probably- I'm sure he's going to want a nice price tag too, which we're in no position to want to pay. Yeah, I agreed. So, I mean, that's kind of it. Again, you know, maybe not on the surface level, the most interesting uh, position to talk about, but definitely something that the Giants are thinking about for the future. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, a position that with the right player can help either the wide receiver need or the tackle need. So... Something to keep in mind. <laughs> and next week we're going to go into a much more interesting topic, which is corner. Uh, as you know, we kind of alluded with Janoris Jenkins, maybe one of the reasons he's still around is because there's simply nobody else. Yeah, this is going to be a hot topic because I honestly thought by the middle of last season he would have been gone even during like the big purge in the middle of the season. So I'm, I'm quite frankly surprised he's still on the team at this point. But uh, definitely will be make for a good conversation next week. Yeah, and and that one I can say, you know, there's a whole lot to talk about. We can unpack with Sam Beal and where he would have fell in this draft had he not been taken in the – had he not declared for the supplemental draft. How does that work? If you declare for the supplemental draft and nobody takes you, do you just become a, a free agent? I believe so. I think you're no longer – you don't have any eligibility anymore in college. I think you become a free agent. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so – had he had he not declared for the supplemental draft, where he fell in this draft is definitely something we should talk about since the Giants wasted a pick on waste used a pick on him. Um, yeah, let's not let's not write the guy off just yet because he got hurt. I mean he's not a he's not a thirty four year old guy who got hurt and he may never come back again. So And at the same time we can't elevate him to you know Deion Sanders. Yeah, he he's going to be the new cornerstone. We we know very little about this guy. It's not as if exactly. he came out of, you know, DBU. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Really. Watch your mouth. <laughs> I, I did. I said it at the same time as you, not right after. <laughs> I know what uh, you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's not like he came out of the SEC. Even I mean, Western Michigan right. corner. So, right. Um. Nevertheless, that's all of next week's topic. Um. And I will expand upon my uh, my findings with tight ends on Twitter. And you can find me there at, at football underscore grump, where I've been fairly active the last couple weeks. You can catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. I've been a little light the last few weeks. You're going to have to bear with me for a bit. But uh, we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, my 
companion show, Mark and the Cranky Fan, has been on a bit of a hiatus also, but we're looking to ramp that back up again this week too, back to full steam. So, uh, you know, with, when baseball comes back, that's when I get my crankiest. It's kind of a weird thing, Grump, where for all the sports I kind of love equally, but the one that just sets me off the most is baseball for some reason. So the crankiness is back for sure, even well, though my team is in first place. You wouldn't know it though, right? Exactly. I think that's why. I think media coverage in baseball really covers about three or four teams. And uh, well, it's not like that in is, any other sport. Well, the one thing about it, if you're just sitting around watching a game for three hours, the pace is so slow that you can actually take a moment to bark about something on Twitter where, oh, you know, football that. is kind of much quicker and, you know, basketball and hockey are just happening. You have to just react when you get a chance to catch your breath and you may not have the same reaction baseball you know there's a bad pitch you wait a couple you know 10 15 seconds in this and it's like you can really go from brain to keyboard a lot better than the other sports i'm pretty sure i've actively grown a beard during a baseball game <laughs> i've grown a Rip van winkle waiting for this giant team to be good again so. yeah well the, yeah that's true i'm zz top over here <laughs> that's a frightening image um Yikes. As always, how do, find, how do we find this lovely program? Uh, SoundCloud, I think. <laughs> SoundCloud, yeah, too. exactly. Because the first uh, the first person who actually tweets us during the week and says, "Hey, don't forget to fix this on iTunes," we'll get, we'll send you a prize. We don't know what that is yet because, quite frankly, we keep forgetting to fix their iTunes link during the week. So, if somebody out there actually tweets at us and says, "Hey, schmucks, fix your iTunes link." We'll give you a prize. Yeah, there you go. It might be the beard trimmings from his Rip Van Winkle. When <laughs> it, it happens, be, when the Giants be, get good and he shaves. It might be ZZ Top's 1987 follow-up uh, Eliminator hmm. or Afterburner. So. Is that the one he played in Back to the Future 3? Uh, <laughs> right, here we go. Um, but yeah, we, we you can also find us on uh, SoundCloud and uh, Podbean, um, which is pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. 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 Check that out. Love those guys. And um, yeah, uh, the the podcast can be found on Twitter as well at Just Giants Pod. Yeah, that's where you, if you need to find where the link is for the show, go there, and we'll uh, we'll hook you up. <laughs> as always, go Giants. Go Giants.